0: Hey folks, welcome back to another edition of the Herd Podcast. Uh, I'm David Shepard, MLA for Edmonton City Center, proud new Democrat here today with my colleague Richard Fian, who is uh, the MLA for Edmonton Rutherford, our critic for Indigenous Relations, and uh, the chair of our Committee on Alberta's Future Economic uh, Proposals. How are you doing today, Richard?
1: Excellent, David. Thanks uh, for having me on today. Really looking forward to the conversation. Lots going on in this province right now.
0: Indeed. And I understand that uh, today, Richard, is your
1: birthday. So happy 51st. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, David. (laughs) It's amazing how they just keep happening over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed,
0: indeed. Well, you should bring a lot of wisdom and insight then into what's happening.
1: (laughs) Okay, you can can hope for that if you want.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's start off the top. So big story yesterday, Richard, uh, when we saw that uh, two UCP MLAs, uh, Drew Barnes and Angela Pitt, signed up as members of the End the Lockdown caucus. Now, this is a group with such an illustrious membership as the uh, Wild Rose Independence Party leader, Paul Hinman, uh, a former separatist, MLA Gord Kessler, uh, MP Derek Sloan, who's been infamous lately for having uh, accepted donations from a white nationalist that got him kicked out of the Conservative Party of Canada, and the leader of the People's Party of Canada, Maxime Bernier. So not exactly great company here, sort of right wing, far right Potential extremists, but they're lining themselves up with them in saying that they are against some of the public health restrictions that are happening here in the province of Alberta. What are your thoughts on that, Richard?
1: Well, you know, I'm very disappointed. First of all, Uh, to have people in the positions of authority uh, that uh, MLAs are are often um, actually undermining the science uh, uh, of good health for the population is just absolutely. Uh, just dangerous, uh, if nothing else, um, and really just questionable in terms of, um, you know, to what end? Is this really okay to um, uh, help to, to facilitate the, uh, the negative effects of a, of a pandemic because um, there's some political gain in terms of a few votes you're going to pick up? I mean, really, wh- what does that say, uh, th- that um, they would they would make that kind of a trade-off? Indeed, because uh, you know uh, they, they, they always start with this well you know the uh, the the effects of the uh, of the um uh, the lockdowns is more harmful than the virus and yet have you ever seen any evidence presented by them that that is true it's not it's a it's a it's a belief system that that the world is only good if corporations are making as much money as they can make. And the second that anything interferes with that, suddenly, um, oh, well, no, this is causing more harm. To the average person, the harm is in the potential of dying. The harm is in, is in, uh, is in the inaction of the government in terms of, uh, of taking care of them while we're going through the lockdowns.
0: Absolutely. And there's been some that have reserved that political scientists who said, you know, we depend on getting through this on people being willing to comply with the public health orders. That is what's protecting all of us doing this together when we have people in positions of authority undermining that and suggesting that people should perhaps not be following those restrictions. You're right. That's putting lives in danger. And it's a lack of leadership, really, from Jason Kenney. He's not even willing to condemn this, let alone take the kind of action I think that would be expected that, you know... uh, if folks are going against what their government in fact supports and what the public health recommendations are in the middle of a pandemic. That sounds to me like that's something you don't want in your caucus. Now you were talking about sort of the excuses that they're putting forward. Now Drew Barnes talked about there being a mental health crisis he felt in his area in and around uh, Medicine Hat in in that area. Um, But I haven't heard him come out with any concrete proposals or really talk about how his government could be better supporting mental health. But I know that uh, our colleague Heather Sweets, uh, who was our critic for mental health and addictions, uh, came out yesterday with a great proposal with the support of a number of psychologists.
1: Did you see that, Rich? I did, yeah. I, I you know, I'm, I follow social media every day, of course, and uh, noticed that uh, the uh, there's this network of Alberta psychologists that have put together a petition uh, supporting it. It said they had seventeen thousand people on their on their petition so far already, and and uh, that's pretty good because it just started, and I'm sure it's going to grow. Um, and, and I and I just so happen to have have, have lots of friends in the field, uh, having been a therapist for many years myself um, as a social worker or not as a psychologist but uh, I can tell you that um, they all absolutely support this as something that needs to happen What is the petition calling for Richard? I'm sorry? What is the petition calling for? Uh, the petition is calling for uh, supports for m- uh, mental health sessions for um, uh, Albertans. Uh, you know, the, the NDP have called that there should be five sessions uh, free, paid for by government, for every Albertan, and and essentially the um, petition is is just reinforcing that that notion that there needs to be these kind of mental health supports uh, available to everybody. Uh, in the province um, <clears throat> at low cost or even no cost counseling.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, I, I don't think there's any denying that there have been mental health impacts of the pandemic, that we have seen some increase in substance use. I, I know for myself, I, I've had a couple a couple bad days here and there. And I oh. mean. Been great to be able to reach out to friends and others for support. I'm in a position where I can also afford to, uh, you know, have a therapist session or that sort of thing. A lot of Albertans can't. So certainly, I don't think I agree with Drew Barnes that the impact is, is of the measures that we've taken have been worse on mental health than the real, very real, and present physical health impacts if we were to let COVID-19 run rampant. But certainly, I agree, providing government paid support for people to access professional therapists for five
1: sessions or so could be incredibly helpful. See, the problem with, with the um, conservative perspective on this is they're always willing to only look at one side of the equation. They look and they see, you know, there are some people that are struggling with um, addictions that are it, it have been exacerbated by the lockdown, and there are some people that are struggling with um, depression that's exacerbated by the lockdown, and so on, those kind of things. But they never ask themselves the question about, um, well, What's the other side of that story? Um, when when there is no lockdown, are those people also experiencing depression? Are they also experiencing addictions? Um, and they, they, they never actually compare apples to apples. They just say, well, on this one side, we see this one bad thing happening. uh, So therefore, we should stop, you know, the whole shutdown process. When in fact, the truth is that, you know, addictions have been rising in the province of Alberta dramatically for a number of years, well before the pandemic. Um, And the, the opioid crisis has been building for a long time. And We have to address those issues just on their face value and not tie them into the lockdown or not lockdown. If people are struggling with addictions, we should be dealing with that. But what have they done? They've shut down um, supervised injection sites and, um, you know, they have uh, essentially uh, denied the science yet again as they do with the lockdowns, as they do with climate change. Um, they just really seem to be um, anti-science. And and of course, we have this premier who's trying to straddle that chasm between pro-science and anti-science and have a foot on either side so that he can keep his base together. Whereas on our side, you know, the base is all on the same side. We believe in the science and we believe in people. And he, he can't... Um, you know, he just has a hard time trying to keep those two together because they don't always work together.
0: Indeed. And speaking of supporting people, you know, one of the other things that Angela Pitt has said is her excuse for joining this uh, extreme anti-lockdown caucus is she's concerned about the impact on businesses. Now, again, what we've seen with Jason Kenney and the UCP throughout all this, of course, is they in the middle of the pandemic, they ramped up their corporate giveaway, accelerated that to give more money to big corporations that are yanking their investments out of Alberta, but they have done so little to actually support small and local businesses in the middle of this pandemic. And certainly we haven't heard Angela Pitt stepping up and making suggestions on how they could better be supporting the government, small businesses and entrepreneurs in your community. Now, we had called uh, just last week for uh, the government to take action, uh, specifically for restaurants and folks who need to cap the delivery fees. We know that some of these companies skip the dishes, Uber Eats, et cetera, could charge very high extra fees to restaurants to provide the delivery services that eats into the small amount of profit that they're making. We saw the Alberta uh, bia alliance that's collaboration of over 30 business improvement areas in the province they stepped up and they joined us in a call on that cap you know what are your thoughts richard why aren't these guys willing to do more to actually help small businesses instead of undermining public health
1: well, you know, it, I gotta say it's a bit of a mystery that um, they they're sort of so anti small business. Um, uh, they, they certainly love the big businesses, but I suppose that's where the the cash is is often found for them. Uh, um, you know, in to to sidle up beside. But um, you know that that's a cynical view. I I just don't get why they don't understand that small businesses would actually do much better with a very clear sharply defined um, uh, lockdown and then uh, particular rules that, that help people. I mean, they did it in New Zealand, for example. I've, I've been reading quite widely around the world about uh, economic interventions. In New Zealand, they did a sharp lockdown, but they really put lots of money into helping businesses get through that lockdown. Um, and, um, and this government has just really failed to do that. And as a result... While they were locked down for a short while, they really got rid of the, uh, of the uh, you know COVID virus for the most part in places like New Zealand and Australia, and now businesses have done really well. If you look at their their GDP for the last year, they actually grew. They they did a really good job, and it's the same thing here. And 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 um, you know, with regard to the to the whole question of putting a cap on fees, I think that's really an important part of it, because you have to realize not all businesses are the same. Some businesses certainly have been devastated and and really ultimately destroyed by by, uh, the the difficulties of the last year, whether there's a lockdown or not, just people not going out on their own um, uh, is really affecting small businesses. But some businesses on the other hand have actually benefited from it. We know that um, the research around some of the um, the, the wealthiest in in North America have actually had a significant increase in their wealth. Uh, a report just came out of the States um, indicating that uh, uh, there there is an extra trillion dollars worth of wealth generated in the top 1% because of this. Because of companies that are able to Function well. They, uh, they they don't have uh, bricks and mortars um, facilities. Instead, they do all of their work by um, uh, by remote, and um, and companies, for example, like uh, food service uh, delivery companies, um, they they don't have to actually pay employees. They just as employees, they don't have to give them benefits or anything. Uh, in fact, some of them don't even pay taxes in some jurisdictions in which they function. Um, uh, so they have all these privileges and and uh, they are doing extremely well. And I think we should take a lesson from the Second World War. You know, there was a a specific tax that was designed during the Second World War uh, on companies that benefited from the war and they were expected to contribute more. Uh, than other companies, because the nature of their business was that um, these circumstances actually profited them, and that's true of all of these kind of delivery companies. They're doing better, you know, the Amazons and the uh, the uh, Ubers and so on uh, are making money hand over fist, and they certainly should be asked to become better contributors to the well-being of all of uh, of the economy within the province of Alberta.
0: And they, And so that's an opportunity this government has, and certainly MLS, Drew Barnes, Angela Pitt, if they want to offset the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic and the necessary public health measures, these are things they could be advocating for their government to do. But not only is, you know, Jason Kenney and, and his team not willing to, I guess, provide the provincial supports that are needed, they're making it more difficult for some of these businesses to access the federal supports that are in place. So we've seen that they pushed ahead this last Uh, this last week with the risky reopening. We know we've got COVID-19 variants Mm -hmm. far more contagious that are beginning to spread in the province and at the same time they decided to push ahead with opening restaurants, bars. We've seen some of the videos and photos this week uh, of people clearly not following the, the restrictions within those spaces. But, At the same time, by doing this, he means that some of these restaurants and bars that may not feel they're ready to reopen because they've changed the rules now may not be able to access the federal lockdown supports, which depend on whether or not there's local restrictions. So it's just another example of how really feels like Jason Kenney is putting his own politics and concerns ahead of what's actually good for Albertans.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it just always amazes me how little they seem to talk to the people that they pretend to represent. Um, you know, have they gone to the small businesses and said, what's actually going to work here? Because we certainly have. You know, we've had a number of small business consultations through Alberta's Future. And um, I, I have had personally many conversations with small business people. And they've said the same kinds of things to me. One, we need clarity. Uh, Above all else, we need to know when we're open and when we're closed so we can plan for both. Um, We need that things to be decided well ahead of time so that we can spend time preparing for for the opening and the closing, not have decisions made on Saturday that you're going to be open on Monday morning. Um, And we need to make sure that if we're, going to open or if we're going to close, that we understand the implications of when and how that's done in terms of all the other social policies that are out there, including the federal policies. And if they sat down with the small businesses and and, uh, said to them, okay, here's the implications of opening on such and such a date how do we deal with those implications and how do we resolve them? Uh, Or if we made a different choice, here's what the outcome would be. All of those kinds of things could easily have been done, but they've just failed to do it because they're not going out and they're not even talking to the people you would think they would naturally want to talk to. Um, We have to remember that small businesses are essentially the primary employer in this province. More people work for small businesses than work for, for, for big businesses in this province you add them all up across the, across the province. And so we should, really be highlighting that and paying attention to that and making sure that the, that the um, small businesses are, are successful. And on top of that, that their employees are successful. We can't just simply open up small businesses and say, well, employees, you have to just go and live with whatever you can live with. You don't have any sick leave. um, You don't have any benefits, but uh, just go and work and hopefully you don't get sick. And if you do too bad, Uh, you know, we have to focus on both the small businesses and the small business employees.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of those employees, you know, for the last year, there has been federal dollars on the table. Uh, The federal government committed a significant amount of money to help provinces provide uh, top ups to wages for essential workers. So now, of course, that includes folks that work in the public sector that have been working on the front lines of health care, providing uh, support for folks that live with disabilities uh, in long term care. A lot of different aspects of the health care system, but also for people that work for private small businesses. So in grocery stores, uh, other spaces that have been deemed essential services through the pandemic. So we had three hundred and forty seven million dollars that was sitting there on the table for Alberta to just take in direct directly to those employees, those folks that are being impacted and are risking their health. We accessed Alberta forty seven million and left three hundred million sitting on the table Mm -hmm. for, you know, nine months. And that money we've did the analysis, we looked at it, that could have created nearly 2000 new jobs in the province of Alberta over the course of the last nine, 10 months. And it could have given us a significant boost in our GDP. So why is Jason Kenney and the UCP again, not actually taking actions in the midst of this pandemic to do what they say they want to do, which is to actually help Albertans?
1: Right, you know, they it, it's just a mystery. It feels like um, Jason Kenney just has something against the federal government for whatever ideological reason he has it. And he's really prepared to take an awful lot of wounds um, in his uh, fight against this this government for no particular reason, um, you know, um, it, it just seems a little bit silly. Uh, uh, you, you know, the, just imagine three hundred million extra dollars circulating around the economy of Alberta for the last nine months. How that may have helped, uh, you know, the province. So even from his perspective, he should have seen it as a benefit um, that that he could have increased, as you said, the employment by two thousand and and, and the economy by, you know, 300 million times, how many times that would circulate. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a lot of money, I don't, it's a mystery that he wouldn't sort of sit down and do the analysis and realize that. It didn't take us very long to figure out how much that would actually affect uh, uh, people. But on top of that, think of all those individuals who've been working these long hours, stressful hours, uh, given the circumstances, and, um, and, and really could have used uh, the opportunity to, to uh, use that money to make their lives a little bit better. Uh, probably many of them are are having to um, uh, you know face new costs that they didn't face before. Um, perhaps uh, you know um, it, you know they. they um, could have used the money to just make life a a little bit easier for themselves and their families, particularly if there are other family members that have been laid off. And now the, not only are they working in stressful health environments, but they're supporting more people because of family members that have been laid off and other, other areas. It's just so many ways in which individual lives would be better uh, if they had access to to that kind of money. And, and uh, it just didn't seem to matter. Uh, You know, the, the, not, neither the economic argument nor the human argument seems to have penetrated into uh, UCP decision-making. I don't, I don't get it. Indeed. And what we saw this week then is that they
0: finally announced what that they were actually going to do something with that money. So eight, nine months after this money was available, now they're going to send out $1,200 checks to a number of frontline essential workers across the province, both private and public sector workers. And it's good to see It certainly does include a wide breadth of people who are working on the front lines, and I think they absolutely deserve those dollars. But like you say, they could have really used that money in the midst of this. They could have used that money as they were under the pressure of the rising second wave as Jason Kenney was dragging his feet and refusing to take action. That was making their lives harder and putting them in jeopardy. So... I think we're going to be doing a lot more analysis of this. It looks like there may be some concerns with how they're rolling this out. There may be some gaps. Private sector employees have to depend on their employers to apply for them to get the funds. But again, this seems Jason Kenney waited when those people could have used that money months ago. He waited until seems just before his budget. That's going to bring a lot of bad news to maybe provide a little distraction.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I think so. Uh, You know, uh, the concern is he's with one hand giving out uh, some pretty controlled and restricted dollars this week and next week he's going to lay them off. Um, you know the, the potential for uh, for either layoffs coming or for rollback in wages is apparently one of the things they're considering happening next week. So it's a little bit of a you know here come get this candy uh, uh, in my for my left hand, but don't notice the club I have in my right hand. Um, you know, I, sorry, that's a horrible image. It, it just but it it just uh, really seems to me like uh, um, this is not about caring for the people of Alberta and trying to make decisions to help them um, get through a tough time and, and succeed um in all the ways that they, they need to succeed. Um, you know it's it's very disappointing. And and I'm also very concerned about uh the people that are just going to be overlooked by this wage subsidy. There's uh there's so many people who, as you say, either, you know, uh work for private industry and so therefore may not be eligible for it or may not receive it because of the process or people whose work was already precarious and do, don't hit the uh, uh the, the number of hours per week that you would have had to work to be eligible for this because of the lockdowns and because of the of the uh the closures of of, of so many shops uh not through any fault of their own so they already lost working hours and now they're going to lose the subsidy because they didn't have the working hours that you know they didn't have any control over I think that's really problematic and of course you know we have people like the um, educational assistants were all laid off and they're not eligible for it yeah. You know? so, so yeah so we fire them we get rid of them and then we say oh well because you didn't work you don't get a subsidy uh, it just it, it, it's like it's a double whammy frankly well, poorly thought out
0: policy seems to be pretty common with Jason Kenney and the UCP. And certainly uh, failing to consult and not talking to the people of Alberta about it has been a big part of that too. And I think the biggest one we've seen lately on that has probably been the uh, them tearing down the 1976 coal policy that was put in by Peter Lougheed. So for folks that might not be familiar, that was policy that basically protected the eastern slope of the Rockies from strip mining, mountaintop removal mining, any basically tearing the mountains apart to get at metallurgical coal May long weekend last year in the middle of the pandemic Jason Kenny quietly just rolled that away got a lot of attention lately some big uh, country stars like Corb Lund and Paul Brandt spoke out a lot of public pressure Jason Kenny doubled down he wasn't going to change he wasn't going to change all of a sudden this week Minister Sonia Savage says oh well you know we're not perfect we make mistakes so we're going to back off on this one what are your thoughts on what they had to say on that, Richard?
1: Well, you know, uh, call me a skeptic, but uh, I, I'm still, you know, I'll accept what they're saying so far, but I certainly am going to wait to see the, the proof in the pudding here as we move forward. Um, there's a couple of things that are, that are quite clear. They did not say they are reinstating the 1976 coal policy. They said that they will follow that policy until they have had a chance to do some further consultation and come forward with their new policy. So clearly they they have not abandoned the idea that a new policy is coming in. Uh, they just need to figure out how to shape that and frame that in a way that they think is more sellable to the public. Um, and, uh, you know, the whole this despicable way in which they did this, um, consulting with the uh, Australian mining companies long before telling the people of Alberta that it was even on the table, then uh, announcing it uh, on a long weekend in May last year, uh, when nobody was uh, really paying attention, Um, and then coming back and saying, okay, okay, we've heard from you, but everything that we've done between last May and now, all the leases that we put out will remain. So they're not undoing anything. What they're uh, best saying is, well, we'll slow down the potential future damage for a little while um but um keep your eye on us because uh we still intend to come forward with a new coal policy we're not going back to the 76 policy that's what they're really saying Mm -hmm. and i think people are foolish if they uh if they uh think that somehow this victory has been won i i want us to to certainly be joyful in that the the voices of the people of alberta clearly are putting pressure on this government and all those people have been writing letters and making phone calls and joining in our consultations. We had a consultation on this uh, on Alberta's Future just the other night, and we had well over a 1,000 people sign up for that. Um, a, f- a few less actually attended, but, you know, people are concerned about this. And it's because of the activity of all those people that we've actually seen the situation where the uh, Minister of Energy, Sonia Savage, has to come forward and say, we messed up. But I know in that conversation, people were very clear that it hasn't really changed. We still need to do the work. We can, you know, give ourselves a quick pat on the back, but get, get our hands back into the action uh, and, and get some work uh, going because uh, the new policy is coming. They will do some form of consultation and then they'll go ahead and 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 continue some of the damage that they're planning to do. Indeed, and you're right,
0: Richard. This is, uh, this is a great, this is a victory for the people of Alberta in forcing the government to listen to their voices and take the step. But as you say, it's very clear that they don't intend to back down. They still wanna find a way to get those coal mines into the Eastern slopes of the Rockies. So we can't let up on this. But it's interesting to me, you know, you mentioned Alberta's future and you know, this was one of Kenny's ways in which he said he was going to rebuild the Alberta economy by, damaging our environment, risking headwaters for that and feed so many uh, towns, uh, indigenous land, other folks in the province of Alberta for a smattering, a small number of jobs in a Correct. very small amount of royalties. That was his grand economic plan. Now, Richard, I know you have been working very hard on Alberta's future, which is looking at how do we actually rebuild a modern economy in the province of Alberta that's not dependent on going backwards. on. The these sorts of damaging projects that have very low return, but things that can actually build our province up. Why don't you tell folks a little bit about what that project's been like?
1: well we certainly believe that alberta is in a time of transition and we believe that the future actually holds lots of extremely good potential for us in the province of alberta but that future is going to look different than the past we uh, we're very fortunate to um have benefited greatly from this great resource uh, the uh, you know the oil sands and um and and of course we've also done well in agriculture and forestry and so on but the future is going to have to be more than just being hewers of wood and drawers of water um, and that means serious efforts toward diversity, serious efforts toward um, shifting our great talents and abilities in this province toward w- w- what's going to be happening and what's going to be true for the next century. And, uh, you know, we know, for example, that uh, we are very good at, uh, at um, drilling wells. Uh, we have great expertise in that. Well. You know we have geothermal wells uh, potential in this province, uh, way better than most other provinces, by the way. And we could take the the knowledge and skills that have been developed over 50 years in this province, and in um, doing that kind of work, and transfer it over to a different kind of energy. We just have to stop being stuck that with the notion that we are only oil and gas people, certainly we're oil and gas people, but we have potential to be all kinds of other people as well and using many of the same skills. And that means that we're looking at the fact that, uh, for example, almost all the car companies are telling us they're gonna be moving to complete electric fleets within the next 30 years. And uh, that means that they're going to be wanting electricity. They're not going to be wanting gas. So how do we produce electricity? Well, we know the best way to do that right now is through wind and solar. Uh, you know, when we did, ran the uh, uh, the renewable energy uh, auction a couple of years back when we were in government, the, when they announced the price that they got for the the uh, wind production, energy production, uh, there were literal gasps in the room of people who were astounded at how low we were the price we were getting. It was cheaper than natural gas. And, you know, given that that's the signal that the market has has shown us should tell us that that's where we should be putting our energies. And so what Alberta's uh, future is doing is it's asking the question where is Uh, Alberta's greatest potential moving forward, where can we get the most number of jobs? Where can we benefit the most? And the answer coming back is in new alternative ways of being an energy uh, producer, just like we are now, but in new ways and in new fields such as um, high tech. Um, You know, we already have a heck of a reputation of of, uh, tech in the health industry, but we've been starting to lose that because we're getting rid of, of labs at the university, we're getting rid of professors. We're uh, we're cutting in all those areas. Well, that's not the NDP's perspective. Uh, you know, that's a UCP attitude, get rid of the universities and then be surprised when all the, uh, you know, world famous professors leave and go somewhere else. Um, what we want is we wanna build on that. We would love to become the place in the world for health innovation. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: So it's been a, it's been amazing to watch the process. I know you and a lot of folks uh, spent a lot of time planning this out and sort of picking the topics. And then you set this up as being a consultation. You've been holding these town halls since the fall. And so unlike things like the UCP's coal policy and so many other things they're doing, you are actually sitting down and not only talking to folks with the expertise, mm-hmm. you are talking to Albertans. So you've had a few. There's a few more. If people go to Alberta's future.ca, they can
1: see the upcoming discussions. That's right. So we've had uh, well over 20 uh, consultations so far already with uh, literally thousands of people signing up and participating in those consultations. Um, And you can see uh, if you go to Alberta's future, you can see, for example, all of our COVID policies, including our small business policy, our return to school policy and a number of other policies that are out there, uh, all of which have been made available for the UCP to pick up, which they basically haven't. But you can see uh, the beginnings of our work on the economic diversification in this province. So we have some of our initial policies up like on uh, hydrogen and lithium and, uh, and so on. But we also are building um, in uh, uh, creating more in the area of diversity. We have uh, our um, our daycare policy up now because we know that uh, that a good, solid universal daycare program at it has a dramatic effect on improving the economy in a region. There's lots of evidence of that, and particularly, of course, for women entering the workforce. Um, but you know, uh, we will have, by the end of February, uh, probably our tech policy will be up, uh, which we've been consulting on for quite a while. We've got our rural internet policy that's, that's well on its way. We have our agriculture policy that we're working on. We have more work in the area of small business. You will see over the next uh, six to 12 months, um, more and more consultations on a wider variety of things that are about us creating the Alberta of the future, not trying to relive the Alberta of the past.
0: Absolutely. And it's been wonderful to watch this process process unfold. I've had a chance to be a part of some of the discussions, going to be part of a few more. And you know what? This is really important work for me. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about our concerns with what uh, Jason Kenney and the UCP are doing. And certainly there is lots to talk about there. But this is, I think, a really important part of our work, too, is to take what we're seeing, what we're learning, the knowledge we got while we were in government, and what we're hearing from folks in the community now, and really put forward some solid proposals on better ways we could be moving forward and building our province.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Alberta is a young and vibrant province. We certainly have the potential to uh, uh, help lead Canada and the world uh, into a a very different kind of future with some real huge benefits to it. Um, You know, a real reduction in terms of greenhouse gases, a real increase in terms of people's participation in the economy, a wide ranging uh, participation in the economy and the development of all kinds of Interesting new technologies and industries um, that we can't even imagine right now. But we have to be like Laheed was back in the day. We have to believe in the future. And we have to believe that government has a role of investing in the future and creating the opportunities for businesses so that they can uh, create those jobs. And for For the workers, so that they can get the education they need to participate in the creation of uh, those new kinds of technologies and industries. We have to support our universities. We have to support our post secondary institutions like NATE and SATE and our colleges. Um, And we need to be able to go around the world and say we have a highly educated workforce who are ready and willing to do incredible amounts of work. And so this is a great place for you to come and set up your new shop, the shop of the, of the modern century and not of the past.
0: Absolutely. There is so much more we could be doing to build this province than just trying to double down on what's been done before, slashing corporate taxes. uh, Sort of the approaches Jason Kenney have taken that really have not done anything to help us so far in the last two years.
1: No, the evidence is quite the opposite. In fact, the evidence is that when they cut the corporate tax rate, that we actually uh, saw uh, a very few benefits from that if any at all. In, in fact most of the corporations took it and bought back shares or uh, paid their executives more and some of them actually literally used the money to leave town. Uh, one company um, used the money to to uh, shut down their uh, headquarters in Calgary and move down to the States. Uh, you know it's great to have that cash thanks mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it sure didn't help you and I and it didn't help the average Albertan uh, who, who looking for a, a decent Mortgage paying job Uh, that that did not come from a tax break. You want good mortgage paying jobs, you pay people who uh, have those mortgages, uh, good wages, and you create the circumstances under which those businesses can uh, grow and, and be regular consistent employers. Absolutely. So thanks for that, Richard. So folks, if you're listening,
0: if you want to check out the work we've been doing, the proposals we're putting forward, and if you want to join in on some of the upcoming discussions, albertasfuture.ca, you can find all of that there. Well, I think that about wraps us up for this week. So thank you so much for joining me, Richard. I appreciate your thoughts.
1: Thanks, David. Really appreciate the time.
0: All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll be back next week with another edition of The the Herd. In the meantime, keep warm, stay safe.